Welcome everyone to the Italian Football Daily Podcast, Copa Italia Semifinals Edition. I'm your host, Patrick Stoll, alongside my partner, Matt Santangelo, at Stoll underscore P, at Matt underscore Santangelo, at Italian FD is how you can get a hold of us. The Copa Italia final is set. Juventus versus AC Milan. Juve take down Atalanta 1-0 and Lazio drop to Milan on penalties after 120 very tactical cagey minutes and seven rounds of excruciating penalties. Milan's unbeaten streak continues and they are in the domestic cup final. Welcome in everyone to the program. Matt, what an incredible match we saw what stood out to you well i think for me i you know i think it's kind of been some of the it's been a little bit of a the, the same things that we've seen over the past several weeks or really over this entire stretch uh, this 13 match unbeaten stretch for milan a solid defensive line players picking up others we saw several times throughout this match where you know cutrone or chalhanoglu maybe had a decent look but really what didn't do what he we had guys step up donnarumma was fantastic in this game making save after save. He really earned his paycheck, let's say the least. You know, he's gotten paid quite a bit this year. He's one of the top three or top four highest paid players in the league. And a performance like this just gives you a little bit of an idea of how valuable he is to the cause and how effective and how beneficial he can be on his day in for what Milan are wish to, wishing to accomplish. So maybe the midfield wasn't as strong as I wanted, to be, wanted it to be, but I think that's kind of expected in a match where you really pretty much run the same entire team out there that they did against Roma on the weekend. Cassier wasn't as strong. He wasn't as um, effective, in my opinion. Biglia, I think, turned in a, a pretty good performance, and it was probably Milan's best midfielder, if I had to say so myself. Defensively, though, Bonucci Romagnoli continues to be absolutely nails as a pairing, and I think, you know, caught up in every this entire stretch under Gattuso and what he's been able to do, and of course, the goal scoring form of Patrick Cutrone. Hats off to Bonucci and Romagnoli. And this is the level of performance we expected of them coming into the season. But this entirely new revamped defensive line with Conte who got injured, Rodriguez, Bonucci, Musaki who doesn't play. We looked at this defense and we thought this Milan defense could be one of the best in, in, in Serie A easily. Early on in the season, of course, it didn't go that way. And it looked as though that Bonucci really was going to be one of those bust signings for Milan. But really since... Gattuso stepped in. Bonucci's looked every bit as advertised. He's playing like the captain we, we spent 42 million euro on from Juventus last summer. And it's refreshing to see this type of defensive pairing, something this effective, something this stable that we really haven't seen since the years of Nesta Silva in the back. And I think, you know, I'm not going to compare the two because obviously Nesta's the legend of the game. And Silva in that era was one of the top three or top four best central defenders in the football, in my opinion. But it just gives you an idea of that these two mid defensive uh, players complement each other so well. And it looks like we're finally starting to see them get on the same wavelength. The communication's there. Bonucci and, and Romagnolo are able to do what they do best. And it's it's re just refreshing to see this over the past several years. Of course, we've had to see the likes of Paletta, um, you know, Alex, Zapata, Mexis. And it, when you see these two stars. Bonucci obviously has been doing it for six, seven years now. And then Romagnoli really, really re uh, emerging as one of the best defenders at this current time. This is the Milan we expected to see this season. And this performance today, although 0-0 went 120 minutes and went to obviously penalties, 
we saw that 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 unity. We saw that one player picking up another, and we saw that even though maybe Milan didn't play their best game, they fought, they battled, they grinded it out, and it kind of felt like one of those. It kind of felt like a similar match, if you if if you would agree with me on this, to the one against Inter. That 120 grueling minutes, guys battling, guys throwing themselves around, trying to break up play, just doing everything they possibly can. And that's exactly what this performance was. This was really a Gattuso-like performance. What this really strikes for me is when Gattuso was head coach at Pisa all those years ago, right? And they had like the best defense in Serie B. He's brought that defensive mentality, like best in the league defensive mentality. He's brought that to this team and it's really showing. He has two incredible defenders in Benucci, who has been revived from his shocker earlier in the year, and Romagnoli, who has completely re-emerged. He kind of fell off the radar. His re-emergence as one of the top defenders in Italy has been absolutely huge. He was one of the men of the match for me. Either Romagnoli or, as you mentioned, Donnarumma, because those two were absolutely playing out of their minds obviously on the offensive end of the game you know Milan didn't have too much going on the problem was that they were creating these chances and making almost nothing out of them uh the one that jumps out to me uh Romagnoli had a header right before extra time that it was so close it was excruciatingly close right and then Kajanic missed a sitter in extra time couple that with Chalinoglu's miss earlier in the first leg and I saw people saying that you know they might have choked away a final. Kessier was I think his normal self. Bilia I agree with you he was best in the midfield. Bonaventura didn't have a great game but on the defensive end they absolutely rocked it Uh, and the thing that really stood out to me like you said the communication the organization Everything is clicking on the defensive end. They've held six clean sheets in a row now. That is over 500 minutes without conceding a goal. Uh, The last time they even conceded a goal was uh, February 4th against Udinese, and they had 10 men. And one of the things that really stood out to me was Romagnoli's essentially game-saving tackle on Milinkovic-Savic right at the beginning of the second half of extra time. And if you haven't seen it, you gotta see the video because Lazio kicks off, throws the ball forward to Milinkovic-Savic, who, for whatever reason, was just unmarked in the middle of nowhere. And Romagnoli 100% saved a goal. Uh, it's, It's that kind of stuff, right? And just their mentality of the game You know, I've been saying whenever someone brought up to me uh, this game, I said, it's going to be close. No one's getting blown out. I thought a draw was a likely result, but I thought someone was going to score. You know, it's another example of what Gattuso has done for this AC Milan team. You know, obviously Gattuso is the kind of guy who is going to find things that they can improve on, of which there is a lot, mostly finishing your chances. Um, If they had finished their chances, this wouldn't have had to go 120 minutes. They just were a a bit wasteful. 
obviously I know they advanced and they're going to take on Juve and we're going to get to Juve in just a minute. I don't know, man. They need to capitalize on some of their chances, which it happens to everybody, but they just could not find the back of the net. You bring up a good point that they couldn't get they kind of capitalized on that one or two good looks that they had in this game. Although, again, they really didn't have many good opportunities to score. They did have those one or two that probably could have decided this game and really made things a little bit easier for them. However, I will say this. When you can win a game defensively, like Milan has been doing at certain points over the past several weeks, again, they beat Sampdoria 1-0. They're, they're, they're keeping clean sheets, and I think that's very important. I think it was Calabria. He goes... Anytime that you can you can keep a team off the score sheet, it makes your job that much easier to get points and to win games. And I think it's, it's it may sound cliche and may sound obvious and and okay, well that's that's we all know that. It's very important because what it does for you is that it gives you an opportunity to stay in games and to get points from games that you maybe otherwise wouldn't be able to get to. Again, several times throughout this season, when when Montella was a the coach, there was games where we felt that. When Milan had one or two, three good looks, and they weren't able to put them away, we always felt that, you know what, as, as this is me speaking as a Milan fan, that the game, that Milan's chances of winning that game were very slim based off how they were playing, but also just how things were going for the team at that point. Versus now, under Gattuso, is when, when Milan are missing one or two or three chances, you still feel that confident that the team could win because of how they've been playing. There's the aura around the team, the motivation, the, the confidence, and everything that we see on the pitch with this team is a little bit different. And I think that speaks volumes of what uh, what Gattuso has been able to do. Coming into this job, the, the main criticism, or main concern rather with Gattuso was... Can he get it tactically right? Can he make? The, can he pull the strings? Can he make the right right moves in in game to get victories and, and to get draws in difficult difficult venues? Everything like that. I think for me personally, these two things, his coaching style or what he's been known for as a player and as really in his short time as a manager, goes hand in hand with the tactical aspect of things. Because if you're able to transmit your ideas and really to motivate a team and elevate certain players to play to their ability, I feel that in turn, it's going to make you look better tactically. It's going to make you, because players are able to go out there, take the pitch with more confidence, with less stress, and they're able to just play to their ability and play to their capabilities and things like that. And I feel that's what kind of is making, we're seeing a, we're seeing finally an identity. And I think it's it's fascinating when you see that Gattuso's taking over the same exact team that Montella had, and he was able to turn things around much quicker without having as much time as Montella had. Remember, Montella had about a month, month and a half with many of these guys and wasn't able to really create anything in terms of a football style. Gattuso steps in. The first few games, he didn't do, obviously do that well. Again, the, the, the draw to Benevento, 2-0 to Rijeka, I think that's how I'm saying it, and even the loss to Atalanta. Since that, that Coppa Italia match against Inter, we're seeing an identity with this team that's built on, again, the green tub, but also players just doing what they're capable of doing. Chahanagu creating, creating and making things happen. Suso on the ball, creating and making things happen. Bonaventura revitalized under, under Montella. He was terrible, in my opinion. He, wasn't, he was a shadow of his, his former self. We're starting to see these players just really play to their ability. We're not seeing anything world-class, we're not seeing guys out of nowhere play 
you know, above their level. We know Romagnoli's a fantastic defender. We know Bonucci's a world-class defender. We know Calabria. We know Cutrone. They got talent. They got ability. It's this, the, the thing, the difference is here is Gattuso's been able to get that from his players versus Montella not being able to. And I think that goes back to, again, the motivational side of things, which in turn has made him look much better uh, tactically. I think you've hit it spot on. I think that they've bought into his system. They obviously believe in him. Every single time one of them speaks, there's nothing but praise for the guy. They obviously adore him at this point. You see the celebrations, and that emotion is authentic. I don't know. I can't say enough about the job that he has done with this team in the situation that they were in and the situation they are currently in. They obviously believe in him. He is repaying their faith in him, and they're repaying his faith in them. It's coming through, and, you know, full credit, whatever he's telling them to do on the defensive end, right? I'm not a coach, so I, I can't, I don't know exactly what's going on, right? But whatever he is getting to the heads of Romagnoli, Benucci, and Donnarumma has been absolutely unreal. And the last note before we move on, some of these players that you mentioned were cast aside completely under Montella. Remember, Chalinoglu was linked with a transfer out of Milan in January. Donnarumma wasn't playing well. Benuccia was having a shocker. Romagnoli inconsistent. Calabria never saw the field. Um, Cutrone never saw the field. Bonaventura was shocking. Kessier wasn't really doing that well. Suso was the only real point of quality. Bilia was awful, right? And now all of these players have come back together. And, you know, that tells you something. Uh, I think Gattuso has... He's probably one big game away from his job being 100% locked down. I think he deserves it already. You know, if he wins against Inter and or Arsenal and or Juve, I think that's it. I think the biggest difference, and I think, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot about why Gattuso's, well, why has Gattuso been able to be successful? If, if, if all these criticisms of him as, as a guy strictly based off passion, motivation, all these more mental factors and mental aspects of him as a coach, how has he been able to do this and Montella wasn't? And I think Another added element to that success that he's having is the fact that he's, he played for this team. He knows what it means to represent these colors. He knows what it means to win for this team. And I think that's very important as well. If you see some of the players that are, are, are performing, you can really see they're gravitating towards his personality because you're, he, he looks I, – I even tweeted something out I think last week or a couple weeks ago. When Gattuso is celebrating with the players, he literally, if you don't, if you visualize it, you can almost visualize him with a jersey on next to these guys. And that's what it feels like. He's created an atmosphere that's live, it's passionate, and it's really just pure emotion. And I think that's what this team is really riding on. They believe in each other. They're unified and probably to the, the, the most unified I've seen in I don't know how long. And I think that has, has having an, is having an effect here is because Gattuso played for this team, you really start to see how passionate he is about the job. You really start to see how passionate the players are to play for him because it, with Montella, it's, it's a little bit of a different thing. When you have a guy who's played for this team in the city who has won Champions Leagues, who has won titles, 
it's a little bit different. The players get a little bit of an, a different feel for their manager. And I think when we entered the season, that was one of the biggest things was with Montella was you're managing a lot of personalities, a lot of big-name players. And I think Catuso has been able to do that, unlike Montella, is kind of get the personalities get together, get create that chemistry. And I think that's been the biggest thing is really what he's been able to do in the locker room to get this team to ultimately play effective on the pitch. Well, again, Lazio, the latest victims of Milan's now 13-game unbeaten streak, six consecutive clean sheets under Reno Cattuso, and Milan are into the Coppa Italia final. And they will take on who else but Juventus, the old lady advancing to their fourth consecutive Coppa Italia final uh, with a win over Atalanta. 1-0. You know, Juventus played pretty well. I'm not sure if they played better than Atalanta. Uh, I have no doubt saying that they were the better side, but... I think whether they played better or not is up for debate. They did get their goal via penalty. It's obviously controversial. You know, there's not a lot else to say about Juventus making it to yet another final. And Atalanta was playing well at the time when that penalty was called. You know, that ended up doing the trick. Now, the penalty aside, Juve... You know, I I can't argue when they go to the final because they're that good of a team. They absolutely deserve to be there. I don't have a lot to say other than I was surprised that it was just 1-0. With Juve, these are the types of victories you expect the team of their caliber to come out on on the upper hand with. And I think that's kind of been obvious is that even when maybe they have been haven't been at their best, They've been finding ways to win games, and that's kind of been somewhat the trend over the past several years, and really during this entire reign of theirs is that, and that kind of gives you an idea of how strong of a team they are, is that when a team isn't playing to their ability, but is still finding ways to win games, those are the teams that typically f- win the trophies, they, they, they typically win the league, and they typically find themselves making deep runs in European tournaments. When we see with Juventus, it's kind of that prime example, right? And we could obviously maybe throw we could throw Napoli in there as well because when you could win games in an ugly fashion, or not ugly, but in a, an unconvincing fashion, it kind of gives you a little bit of idea of, of how strong, how capable a team really is. And I think that's kind of been what, what how I would describe Juve in this one. It was more of a, a professional victory for them. And when I say professional, I mean it was kind of you go through the motions, you do the job, and you just get the victory. It's not going to look pretty. It's not going to look sexy. The stats, everything like that, the goal scorers, whatever the case. But they got the victory. And I think that's ultimately a team like Juve when you're having the, you know, the, 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 the Tottenham game to look to. You have you know, a big match against Lazio on the weekend. When you can get, when you could give guys rest and, and spell some some key players like Dybala, uh, you know, a, a breather in this match, it kind of gives you a little bit of an idea and gives an overall base as to what type of, of team you're dealing with, what type of team you can expect to play on a weekly basis with Juve. However, this it, it it's fascinating because you see a team like Milan win in the way they did today but you see a team like Juve it, it just makes for such a fantastic final in May it it was kind of the matchup that people many people wanted to see in my opinion once this these semifinals were set up right because a couple of years ago Milan met Juventus in the final 
they lost, I believe, Alvaro Morata had the game winner, and I think it was an extra time at, at the Olympico. I know several people who actually attended that match, and it was a packed crowd and everything like that. It, it, it's it, it's, it's going to make for a fascinating final, to say the least. And I think you when you look at the team sheets, you look at the, how the teams are, are stacked uh, stacked together, I think it'll be um, a, a quite, a, quite a fascinating final and one that really can go either way, in my opinion. Although Juve obviously have been dominant in the Coppa Italia in this tournament over the past several years, Milan are really rising to the occasion. They look like a different team under Cattuso. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in May. But again, Juventus getting the victory that they needed over Atalanta and really just, uh, you know, kind of going through the motions and doing what they do best and that's just finding ways to win. It was 2-0 on aggregate. They did win the first match. 1-0 at Atalanta, this one at home in Turin, uh, Pjanic, the beneficiary of the penalty, and you mentioned the lineup, really, Juve did not play their best 11 by any means, meanwhile, Milan certainly did, Milan played the 11 with full knowledge that they were going for a win and going for the final, Juve you know, they had that 1-0 lead, so really all they needed to do was not give up a goal, because then it would have been the away goals thing, it would have been tied, so, you know, as long as they didn't give up a goal, or as long as they scored, and, you know, I'm looking at the stats right now, and this was a very unimpressive, you know, just by looking at the stats, you wouldn't have wanted to watch this game. It was a grinded out game. It, it, somewhat of a similar way to what Milan had to do. Again, it wasn't one of those ma- matches where if you're a neutral watching, you're, you're kind of blown away by the, maybe the, the level of play, things like that. It was kind of one of those those matches where, again, Allegri knows what he has on the menu these next this next week or really over this next week, if you will. Again, Lazio, of course. And then that traveling game in the second leg, that one in the Champions League against... Uh, Tottenham at Wembley. When you look at how Allegri kind of planned for this game, I think if you're if you're a Juventus fan, at, and you look at this entire result, it wasn't sexy, but you really got the victory, and and it's it's kind of it, in a way it helps you because when you look at how the Milan Lazio game shaped up, it's worth pointing out that Milan and Lazio both played full teams. They didn't rest big name players: Immobile, Alberto, Milinkovic Savic. Devraj, you know, everyone from Milan, they were all in the team and they played a hundred and plus hundred plus minutes, most of them, in this one. And so you you want to it's curious it bring, it's gonna be fascinating to see what that carryover is coming into the weekend because there's several big games on the menu and these are probably this is probably one of the biggest rounds of the season. So when you when, when you look at how Allegri was able to find a way to get a, a, a match in this game and advance to a final without maybe having to take many risks and play some of his main guys. All in all, as a Juventus fan, maybe it wasn't the best victory and most convincing, but you did what you had to do, and ultimately you advanced. So you take it and uh, you run with it. Juve will certainly not be worried about how they performed because they got the job done and moved on. And that, for me, just has a much different feel. Given that is Juventus and given their level of success, they were expected to win this. They were expected to get through. It was expected from Milan to have a really big test ahead of them in Lazio in Rome, and they got the job done, as did Juve. What I would worry about on the part of Juventus, maybe not a huge concern, but a little bit of a concern. I mentioned those five yellow cards. One of those was to Giorgio Chiellini. He will be out of the final in May. So that is one of the more interesting things. you know. So Chiellini will be out. 
Uh, I'm not sure if they're stressing about that. I don't think they are. I don't think that's a huge concern considering their quality of depth. Uh, so it'll probably be Rugani uh, instead. But, you know, that is something to consider as we look forward to the final. Again, May 9th, Juve, Milan, Coppa Italia final. And I do want to piggyback off something you said because Lazio and Milan both put out full 11s. Juve did not. And Lazio and Milan each played 120 minutes, whereas Juve was done in 90 and they just got to walk off the pitch and they are looking forward to their matchup uh match day 27 on saturday uh juve is going to have to travel to the olympico to face lazio milan has to go back to milan and host well quote-unquote host inter in the derby which is huge lazio juve is second and third which is huge. And then, oh, by the way, the other match, uh, in case you missed it, is Napoli-Roma, which is huge. So, you know, there are a couple of real big matches going on, but Milan and Lazio have to... I would be a little worried, and I am as, as a Milanista myself, I am admittedly pretty concerned that Milan had to go through 120 minutes against a tough team like Lazio, and now they're going to have to play a really tough team in Inter. Lazio have to do the same thing. They have to host Juventus, who did not have to go through the same rigors that Lazio did in this round. When you talk about how Milan, how deep they had to go into a match to get a victory, when you kind of look at how that could plan to play into Inter's hand, because we all know, obviously, Inter and Milan are entering this derby in two vastly different set of forms here. Inter, of course, they obviously had the victory over against Benevento last weekend. Milan obviously beat Roma 2-0, a first match between the two teams. Inter were flying high, and Milan really needed any type of break they could possibly get. So when you look at this match, it's kind of been a little bit of a role reversal. When you, when you look at Inter, who, who have been struggling of late, really trying to score goals to get Icardi back up and running and being productive, you, you get a sense that maybe, just maybe, this would work in slight favor of Inter because they can use any type of advantage they can get right now. And if that advantage is that maybe Cattuso can't run his entire team out there on Sunday, or maybe that some players are a little bit a little more sluggish in, in recuperating from this this grueling 120 minute plus penalty affair, that's going to be one of the more ta- the more fascinating fascinating things to, to to monitor in the next several days. When of course we look at the um, projected lineups that we see from some of the Italian media, you bring up a good point where I had the fallout of this big 120-minute um, match that Milan and Lazio were locked in, is how it really affects their performance on the field. Now, the benefit from that Milan has from this that Lazio doesn't is that fact that Lazio play on Saturday where Milan play on Sunday. So I think that could help Milan a little bit more in the sense that they do have several days to kind of get recuperated, recover, get everything taken care of, and really assess who is fit enough to play a full match from the start. However, if I had to guess, I think that Gattuso is going to play pretty much the same team. I, I feel that I, while some were concerned that Cutrone shouldn't start in this again, again in the Lazio game today, shouldn't start. They should maybe give Kainic or Silva a match. I think you have to address one match at a time. And when you're in a in a position to go to a cup final, I get why Gattuso played the team he wanted to play. 
Having said that, I wouldn't be surprised to see Gattuso making maybe a slight adjustment. Now, maybe Calabria doesn't play the game. Maybe Abate plays. Maybe that's not a popular decision for Gattuso to make amongst the fan base. But I think I could see something like that being a little bit of a switch here. Or maybe there's a switch at Rodriguez is not playing left back. Whatever the case is, I think there might be one or two changes with Gattuso. But I wouldn't be surprised either way because I think the level that this team is playing at right now I feel that they will be ready. I think Gattuso's done a good job in keeping his guys fresh, making the substitutions when he needed to in the game, uh, in the games that he has, and not really pressing players and pushing players, uh, you know, past their limits. Again, Kessier obviously had the break against Sampdoria, so he should be ready to go. I don't think he's going to come under, uh, you know, any any concerns with his status for that game. So overall, I, I I would expect to see the same team, but maybe certain players get yanked a little bit earlier and, you know, it really depends on the flow of the game overall. I agree. I think that Gutuso will probably make a couple of rotations, but you're not going to see a completely different 11. You're not going to see Montella-esque different lineups. Um, for example, I wouldn't rule it out to take out Bilia out Locatelli in maybe, you know, or, or Montalivo, you know, no matter how popular or not that would be. Another thing just to consider, I know this is a couple matches ahead, but Lazio play Saturday, and then they have to play on Thursday, hosting Dynamo Kiev in the Europa League. Meanwhile, Milan play on Sunday, and they have to play on Thursday, hosting Arsenal in the Europa League. So they get one less day of rest preparing for Arsenal, while Lazio get one less day of rest facing Juve. I think that there will obviously be an impact because Inter didn't have this midweek game, so they're on full rest. However, they're dealing with a couple more other issues than Milan is. Milan, obviously they have their streak going. Inter has won two games in 2018. So they are in, like you said, there's a big role reversal. There's a lot to play for because if Milan wins, the difference between the two teams is four points, which is absolutely huge uh, compared to what it was earlier in the season. Meanwhile, for Lazio and Juventus, it's not really about points between the two. It's points between the two in relation to others on the table. Juve is four points with the game in hand behind the leaders Napoli. Uh, Lazio is just one point ahead of Inter. Uh, Inter is seven points ahead of Milan. Milan's in seventh. Inter right now in fourth, one point ahead of fifth-placed Roma. So a lot to play for. And oh, by the way, Napoli play Roma first versus fifth. There are a lot of different things going on here. Juve is going to be at full strength because they didn't play a lot of starters. And Inter is going to be at full strength because they didn't have to play at all. Uh, And then Napoli and Roma, they will also be at full strength because they were also not playing midweek games. So that's going to be an absolute barn burner. Lazio, Juve could really go either way. You could see Lazio upset Juve and then Milan against Inter. You know, all these matches could go either way. I think, you know, when you look at, you know, this match, these, this, this round of matches on the weekend, which again, you know, it, for those who haven't been following, this is probably the one of the biggest and more stacked weekends 
um, of college show that this season, when you look at, you know, the obviously the matchups, the opponents, but also where these opponents are ranked in the table at this time. Again, when you look at, obviously, Juve are second, Napoli first. Lazio is on the fringe. They're in uh, fourth right now. Fourth or third, I'm getting, getting, getting that mixed up here. But when you look at these teams, Juve, Lazio, Napoli, Roma, Milan, Inter, and Juve, I mean, excuse me, Atalanta, Samp, which is another match that's on this weekend. Round 27 has quite a bit to look, quite a bit, uh, uh, you know, at stake here, if you will. I'm losing my my words here, but there's quite a bit at stake in this round in terms of, again, as you just mentioned, with, with regards to the table. So when you talk about the teams that played again in the Coppa Italia and they have the, the Europa, European competitions, those extra days, anywhere you can get them, those that traveling, those things at this stage of the season loom so large because every day counts. Every extra day you can get that extra traveling, we know how much that can affect the team. So whether that's going to have a play or have a role in, in, in how Inter play this weekend versus against Milan, and the same thing goes for obviously Lazio, that remains to be seen. But again, it just it's just worth pointing out that at this stage of the season, you look for any type of advantage you can get, whether that be you know, an extra rest day, an extra day to maybe a rain, a, a snow day, if you will. But obviously, a Juve and Atalanta got to maybe spell a couple players. Because if you look at that game real, real quick, Atalanta were going to field a pretty, a, a very weak side in that game because they knew they had um, Juve coming up in the Coppa Italia. Of course, that game got snowed out. Now they were able to play a pretty strong team against Juve today. Obviously, they lost. But it just gives you a little bit of an idea of how a manager has to think about the schedule when he has, you know, three games in a span of 10 days. And that's kind of what, what is on the menu for um, Lazio, Milan, and, of course, Juve. is balancing between all these competitions, rotating players and things like that. So that's what's going to be one of the bigger focuses this weekend is how those respective managers do what they need to do to kind of ensure that the, 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 the quality on the pitch maintains its level and, and you know, ultimately they're able to balance this, this heavier schedule until the very end of the season. It's going to be fascinating. Again, we're entering March, which is pretty crazy to think that we're this far into the season. But um, this is where things are heating up. The table is getting extremely tight. And, but when you look at where everyone's positioned, this is where you felt that most of the teams, this is what you felt the table should look like at this stage, right? I mean, more or less, maybe some play, teams switched here and there, but you expect the Milan, Inter, Lazio, Juve, Roma, Napoli to be just right where they are. And again, I think it's it's making for quite a bit of, uh, Quite a fascinating uh, next couple months. Well, again, a stacked 27th match day in Serbia. Lazio hosting Juve, Napoli hosting Roma, the Derby, Milan and Inter, and Atalanta hosting Samp. Uh, and again, Coppa Italia final is set. Milan claims Lazio is their latest victim, and Juve takes down Atalanta to set up Juve-Milan May 9th Coppa Italia final. You know, who knows what we'll be talking about when we get to that stage. But for now, that will do it for the Italian Football Daily podcast. Thank you for listening. We really do appreciate it. And Matt, I really appreciate you joining me, man. Pleasure to be on. Let's see what, uh, let's see what happens this weekend. It should be fun. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's going to be one to watch. On that note, again, thank you for listening at Stoll underscore P, at Matt underscore Santangelo, and at Italian FD is where you can find our work and, of course, all our news and articles on ItalianFootballDaily.com. 
for Matt for the Italian Football Daily staff. I'm Patrick. We'll see you next time.